Another team has left the independent ranks, and we're going to break that down and much more here on this 89th episode of the Indie Ball Report podcast. We are back again. Episode number 89, as you heard during the cold open. And uh, again, we got some big news uh, that would be coming out of the great state of Texas. We also have some other various news, some from the uh, American Association, some from the Frontier League. And of course, we also have uh, some news about a former, I guess, baseball team and uh, stadium, more like it here on this uh, episode of the Indie Ball Report podcast. I'm Nick. He's Will. And we could just jump right into it. And uh, with that, we are going to discuss the Sugarland Skaters making the most anticipated and telegraphed move of the offseason, which is jumping right. to the Houston Astros, uh, I guess, organization, minor league system, whatever you'd like to call it. And I do want to say I appreciate them finally confirming this before we record. I definitely yes. appreciate that. Yeah, I, I definitely appreciate that because again, nothing's worse than the, than the five o'clock Friday news dump uh, that that we've I guess been accustomed to uh, when we're looking at these big news drops in indie ball that's right after right after we record. But anyway, as far as as far as Sugarland, this was this was the most obvious move we saw it coming even pre-pandemic. You 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 could say like once there was starting to be news about. Um, starting to be news about potential MILB contraction and teams are going to be cutting affiliates even before the pandemic. Let me just remind everybody, if the MLB tries to say the pandemic is the reason that they have to cut minor league teams, they are lying because they were trying to do this long before. And I think that uh, the Skeeters were originally when it was just Oh, it could be the Skeeters and the St. Paul Saints. The St. Paul Saints came out with that statement, I believe, about a year ago now, like back in November, where where the where the St. Paul Saints said, "Oh, we love being independent. We uh, we're flattered, but we we independence is in our blood." And then um, and then the Skeeters said, "Oh, we're we're flattered," and basically just left it at that. And I think ever since that point. I mean, at the time, we all assumed there was going to be an Atlantic League season, but at that time, it was pretty clear that it was going to be it was going to be the last year of the Sugarland Skeeters in the Atlantic League, and that's what it turned out. That's what it turned out to be. It just makes too much sense. I mean, when 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 I was polling people, when I was polling people on my Instagram story earlier this week, and player, more specifically, players asking. What, what was your favorite ballpark that's not your home ballpark? The players, and I, I tell you, Nick, players overwhelmingly said said Sugarland. Like overwhelmingly said Sugarland was their favorite park to go play at on the road. And listen, it, it makes sense. It can seat seventy five hundred. It's about a 25, 30 minute drive from Houston. It makes a lot of sense, and uh, and and it's it's really going to help their their attendance numbers, which were which were solid to begin with as it was. And I think that it's another tough loss for for in for indie ball. But I, I will say. It was it was coming for a while, and it's not the least bit surprising that it's finally come to fruition. Yeah, and I see why they like going there. I mean, it's obviously a, a great ballpark. It's a newer ballpark too, which is something you don't always get. And I mean, it's in a great area too. You're right outside of Houston, so I mean, it obviously allows for uh, opportunities after the game. I imagine also when you look at some of the other ballparks you're playing at, like if you're playing at New Britain, I mean, is that really that great? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's it's pretty terrible go to on the road, and then there's a whole slew of other ones that uh, uh, they're still new. I don't want to make it sound like they're all oh, these things are decrepit and old, like they were built in the '40s. But I mean, they're they're getting up there in age more so than say a ballpark like Sugarland. That uh, let's be honest, it was always kind of built for affiliated ball, and then there just weren't takers at that point in time. And then it became okay. Well, the Atlantic League's probably offering us the best of all the worlds at the moment, so we'll take them. And, I mean, again, this really wasn't that surprising. Uh, Like you were saying, it's been kind of a known fact for quite some time now, and uh, it's more or less just official. Uh, We first heard about this on, I believe it was Tuesday night, and uh, 
And I believe it was uh, Mark Berman from Fox 26 and then yep. uh, the Houston Chronicle Chandler Rome were the two that I saw really uh, put it out. And it was Monday night, my mistake, not Tuesday, uh, that that news came out. Obviously, the uh, the same thing that happened to all the Somerset players and all the coaches in Somerset will happen to Sugarland as well. So the players and coaches are now... Uh, I guess you could call them free agents They're, or unemployed, whichever you prefer. Um, obviously, uh, this is going to to hurt some of these guys because, I mean, you have now a slew of guys that are uh, probably looking for positions that are already filled elsewhere. And then there's mm-hmm. other guys like Pete Incognelia, which, I mean, if he wants to continue to manage he will not have a hard time finding a job managing on just about any level. The man is extremely good at that. Uh, And really for him, the question is how soon will he be hired? But uh, another little interesting detail before we kind of discuss some of these players and what's happening with them is just that as a part of this, uh, the Astros now will have a stake in the Sugarlands ownership. Now, I'm not sure how much of, of a stake they will have. I'm not sure if it will be a controlling interest. I'm not sure if it will just be uh, a really small minority share of it, but they will have an interest in it. And also for those wondering what's going to happen to Round Rock, because they were affiliated with Houston before this, they'll likely jump back to uh, the Texas Rangers and then the Rangers affiliate in Nashville. I imagine they'll find somewhere else to go. I was just going to leave that market sitting there. I know Washington already came up with their affiliate in Rochester now. Otherwise, I would have said maybe Nashville makes sense for them. But uh, even still, I imagine someone will snatch Nashville. Uh, it's not nice. going to be terribly hard for them to find a uh, another taker. But uh, yeah, even still, though, it's going to be interesting to see which one of these Skeeters players and managers and coaches uh, find uh, find a job elsewhere in the Atlantic League and then just across indie ball or minor league ball in general. Right, I mean, Pete, Pete and Cavilia is so—he's so good at his job, and his—I I, believe—I believe, I believe uh, is it two or three seasons he's been in Sugarland? I think three, but uh, yeah. but he—he's—he was—he's had so much success in Sugarland. He's—he's there is nobody there is nobody better than Pete and Cavilia to being able to convince players who maybe you would think whether they're bigger names. Or whether they're guys who maybe they they even put up good AAA numbers the previous year and and had a hard time finding a job, but just, just probably because of age. I know Cameron Perkins comes to mind uh, in that sense. He put up really good numbers with the Dodgers in AAA back in back in twenty back in twenty nineteen, and he and he was signed with Sugarland this year. Nobody is better than Pete and Cadelia and the Skeeters, at least recently of getting players in and getting players out they're just extraordinary at it and they were and even again with this four team league this year the constellation energy league they were really really good with that too and i, I think that just speaks to how good pete and Cavilia is at his job the success speaks for itself it's going to be really interesting to see how you're right how soon he gets in it's really going to be up to him because if he wants a job in indie ball he will he will get one I almost wonder if he's going to try and shoot for something in affiliated ball. I mean, because I really do think he's that good. And, I mean, he is a, a good former big league player uh, back at, back in the 80s and 90s. And I think that that, that could be attractive to, a, to an affiliated team who's looking for a double-A manager, a triple-A manager. I could really see that happening. Although you wouldn't be able to get uh, the, the kind of the player, the the baseball operations side of Pete and Cavilia that he's had so much success with in Sugarland. But again, just like Brett Jody, just like John Hutton uh, with Somerset, Pete and Cavilia will not have any issue finding a job in independent base in independent league baseball if he so chooses to go that route. But maybe maybe he decides to go another route. I think that that all remains to be seen. I agree with that. I remember reading a bit of an athletic article a while back saying that he preferred just kind of independent league ball just because he has a lot more control over the game, over the roster, over everything. And he likes the aspect of, look, you're playing for something. You're playing to win. You're not just playing to, you know, do what the major league front office wants. You're you're able to right. say, this guy's playing better. He deserves the playing time, so he'll play. 
over a guy where it's, well, no, see, the guy you want to play is number 145 in the system, and you want to play him over someone that's number 35 in the system. So regardless, we want number 35, you know, playing ahead of him. He's more valuable to us. And he likes the aspect of going, well, I just want to kind of, you know, put the best team out there and not really worry about it. So I'm sure at the same time, though, if there is a pipeline for him to, you know, keep moving up, he's going to take that opportunity. But I, I certainly don't think it's one of those op- one of those cases where it's like, oh well, I, I refuse to, you know, entertain one side or the other. I think he will find a, another job and be in independent league ball. But I think it'll be more so off of his own choosing than off of only place to go. Um, but I am going to be kind of curious to see where he lands. We're obviously going to have a lot of uh, are a lot of new teams coming up fairly yeah, exactly. soon so it'll be interesting to see that and i imagine he'd want to stay in the atlantic league more so than uh, the american association which he does have history there he's managed in that league before and uh, i i imagine he just would prefer that over uh, the frontier or the american association i just think the atlantic league is something that's more uh, suited to him uh, then the other two, not to say that there's anything wrong with the other two, just that the Atlantic League is kind of you know the, the hallmark of the independent leagues. Uh, regardless of that, I do want to know, is he going to wind up in, say, like a Staten Island? Is he going to wind up yeah. in one of these other locations? Is he going <laughs> to play for Gastonia now? I mean, like that's something that's, that's certainly an option, too. I mean, right. really, Gastonia is now... They have more candidates to pick from now. I mean, obviously, you have to throw Brett Jody into the mix. You obviously have to throw uh, Incogvillia in there. And obviously, we know Kevin Baez was kind of alluded to as one of the other guys. And so those are three really, really good options. I mean, you can't really yeah. go wrong with any of the three here. But there's, it'll be interesting to see what happens there now and be even more interesting to see if, if this and like all of these you know, kind of groundswell of teams jumping to affiliated ball. Does this affect anything as far as the right. hiring process goes? Because now yeah. you have a lot more options on the table, or if you're Gastonia, you do. And even a guy like George Samus in St. Paul, if they jump or when they jump, he'll be out of a job too. So he'll be another guy that you could look to want to add. So I'll be, yeah. I'll be very intrigued to, uh, to see how all that plays out. I know, and I think that Gastonia at this point, obviously you never want to see guy, guys losing their jobs in Somerset and Sugarland. However, Gastonia is in a great spot now. Gastonia has their pick of managers, and it's something that you rarely – they have the options that you rarely have as an expansion team that is just that is just trying to come into the league for the first year this is not something you normally you, you normally see at all where you have such big uh, big names uh, so so many guys that are well respected in the indie ball community so many guys that know the so many guys that know the Atlantic League and, and I think you're right about Pete and Cadelia just because he's had so much success in the Atlantic League he has a lot of guys that I'm sure let's uh, let's just say for sake of example uh, he goes to Pete and Cavilia goes to Staten Island you, you, he would definitely bring some guys along with him and I think that that would be good because listen at, at the end of the day and an independent league manager is plays such a bigger role I would argue I would honestly argue than um, a manager in any other level of baseball because just because of that player development asset aspect and they're completely in charge of the of the roster they're completely in charge of find not not just uh say giving talking to their front office and saying hey maybe we should call this guy up literally finding somebody a guy sometimes to go make a start that night and i think that that that's a job that few people can do and i think that if Pete and Cavilia wants to manage, whether it's Staten Island, uh, I'm hoping Frederick. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure if anyone saw, but Mike Ashmore did say that Staten Island is certainly on the table, as well as quote a geographical rival of Southern Maryland. Oh, that's mm. Frederick. That's Frederick. It'd be funny mm. though if you. It'd be funny if you meant West Virginia, though. I wonder who. I I wonder. Uh, well. I mean, I, I guess West Virginia could be thrown in there, but I'm, I'm thinking Frederick, not to mention when you look at Frederick, not to get too off topic here, I guess I was looking at the Frederick Keys led the, uh, excuse me, they led the Carolina League in in attendance last year. It was around, it was around 4,400 people That's a not night. not bad at all. 
So I think if they were and if they were to end up losing the Orioles affiliation, like a lot of people think they will. Although to be honest, with you, I'm, I guess it might have. To, I'm not too familiar with the ballpark. But if you're the Orioles, why are you not? Now we're getting way off topic. But the, yeah, if you're fine. the Orioles, what, why are you, why are you looking at letting go of Frederick and not Aberdeen? Because I know Aberdeen does Aberdeen draw that much? Like I can't imagine it does. I, I, I kind of imagine it comes down to facility, though. I mean, like if you're going to go off of what they said and that's like it's all about the facility and all that, then I mean it would make the most sense that if Aberdeen has a better facility, you would go with that over Frederick. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I guess that's true. I just I I find it hard to believe that. Or maybe it doesn't, but I guess I don't really. I guess what I'm saying is I don't really agree with it. I don't mm. see why attendance and the amount of money they could make as an affiliate has nothing to do with it. I mean, you would think, but I mean, regardless, though, if the if Frederick, uh, if the Frederick Keys, whether they keep their name, whether they don't keep their name, whatever, if they were to jump to the Atlantic League, I mean, that would be that would be a home run. Finally, you'd have somebody uh, as kind of kind of near Southern Maryland that could really uh, help them out. And I think that and I'm trying to look at this. I'm trying to look at the stadium now. Uh, see, trying to see when it was built. Okay, well, there's your answer. It was built in 1990. Okay, I mean, it's not really that old. It's only 30 years old. I mean, right, but and, and its only its capacity is 5400. That screams indie ball. Oh, is it not? Oh yeah, it does. It, it definitely hits that mark. I mean, it's the same amount as the as the uh, ballpark in Grand Prairie that just became vacant, which now is no longer vacant. We'll talk about that later on. But it's same capacity there. It's it is a little older, but I mean, it's not old by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, ninety isn't that long ago, so I mean, it works it's certainly yeah, well I, for I any think, ball. I think, I think that's de- I think that's definitely true. Although, and, and I guess. When you look at the facilities, to look at to it a little bit deeper than what what just when it was made. I mean, again, I hate to keep bringing bringing up Staten Island. I, I feel bad for Staten Island. It's probably a nice place, or maybe it's not. I don't know. I just keep it's hitting Staten it. Island. I, I can I just, guarantee you, it's I, not. I just keep. I mean that that park was built, I think, in like 2002 or something, like something like that. Yeah, uh, it was built at the same time that they built the uh, ballpark in Brooklyn. Because I remember I read an article on that not too long ago, but yeah, it was early two thousands. Okay, so yeah, that 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 could that could make some sense. Um, and as far as looking at the, the Aberdeen Ironbirds, it was built in two thousand two, and uh, its capacity is sixty three hundred. It says this thing, but this is Wikipedia, so I'm taking it with a grain of salt. I, this can't be true. It, it says. And, and I quote, the team has sold out every home game at Ripken Stadium since it began playing there in 2002. No way that's true, right? I'd be I'd be shocked if it was. I think it may be one of those scenarios where it's like, look, it's a sellout in the same way that you have indie ball sellouts. I uh, think the indie ball sellouts. Yeah, you know, the ones where it's like, they said we are at capacity, but I'm looking around here and there's a literal section that's open right now. And not that yeah. many people are walking around the concourse. I know the, 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 that's that's the classic uh, taxi attendance. L- listen, everyone's guilty of it. I'm not. I'm not going to go ahead and. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to go ahead and, and and criticize anyone for it. I mean, but you, you really look at these games, and I don't know, like 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 Lancaster and Southern Maryland come to mind. Like you say, like wow, there's like barely anyone there, and then it's like attendance. 3,500. I'm like, really? Really? Is, is that so? I mean, I, I just, it, it, I bet it could be an indie ball sellout. You're right. But at the same time, e- even if it's just an indie ball sellout, they really have sold out that. that I, I find it hard to believe that's true. I mean, it'd be for what, about 17 seasons, seeing as it didn't play this year? Yeah. Like you sold every single game out. Like, that's. It is rather hard to believe major league clubs don't do that. Yeah, they yeah, not even close. And and I know Fenway like the Red Sox and Fenway Park had a big sellout streak. I don't even think it was that long. Like see here I don't even think it was seventeen years. It was probably like eight. Like here's the thing. If they would have said, Oh, we sold out like we've sold out every weekend game since that, I go, Okay, I could see it. If they would have said we sold out every game this year or they've had several 
like full sellout seasons, I go, okay, yeah, I can see it. I buy it. But like every single game since O two, yeah, that that seems to be that suspect. Yeah, to 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 say the least. I mean, all right, now I have attendance pulled up. It it doesn't do too bad as far as Aberdeen. So Aberdeen, it, it, they are fifth place in the in 2019 in the New York Penn League uh, attendance wise. They averaged 3,199 fans a night. I That's, yeah yeah. It does sound so like Aberdeen should be the one cut, not Frederick. But well, I mean, yeah, I guess, but I, I it, it it probably does come down to facility. Uh, other note here, j- just side note here, the Brooklyn Cyclones kind of blow everybody out of the water. Oh, uh, well, I mean, it's an awesome ballpark in, the, in oh, Brooklyn. Great. They have all yeah. that going for them. If you live in the Northeast and you've never been to MCU Park in Brooklyn, you have to go. Famous original Nathan's next door. I mean, it's you have you have the beach in the back. You have the beach right behind the ballpark for Coney Island. I mean, it is it is an awesome stadium. I always kind of thought it was a waste. They only played a, in short season ball. I always kind of thought that was a waste because I, I thought it, it would be it would be so much better for them if they were playing uh, if they were playing all throughout the spring and summer. Like that, that's a ballpark you don't want to just have like like thirty five home games or whatever. You know that that was an awesome. I've only gotten to gotten to that ballpark once, but it was really cool. That and if you sit up top, you get the breeze right off the ocean. Yeah, I, I will say though, I, I think. Back to the back to the main point. Yeah, I mean Fre- Frederick. If Frederick came into the Atlantic League, I think that's a market they really, really have to pursue hard. The the Atlantic League, and that's considering the the wording of geographical rival of Southern Maryland. I think that would be a, that would be a great thing for the Atlantic League, and I hope I really do hope that materializes. Yeah, I mean, I, I think going forward, the thing that we've learned is expanding in one is always an awkward thing. Just because, again, you'd need a road warrior team more than likely to level everything out. But expanding by two has the benefit of not only keeping everything nice and level. It also Mm -hmm. has the benefit of you can put two teams fairly close to each other or close to pre-existing teams and already have a rivalry started. And when you have that going and you have them playing against each other a lot, then it helps both teams really grow and develop. We kind of saw that with Sugar, or not with Sugar, we saw it with Somerset. And Long Island, they had a bit of a rivalry going, and that definitely helped each other. We've seen that with Lancaster and York. That's helped each other. We saw that within a different league, Sussex and New Jersey. We've seen that really across everything here. You need two teams that are within driving distance from each other. Teams that right. don't have that, it's a lot harder. I mean, Southern Maryland, I don't imagine it's terribly far from York or Lancaster, but it's not driving yeah. distance. You're not Southern Maryland is far from pretty much everything. It's in it that is, awkward part of Maryland, isn't it? It, it? It's in that. Yeah, you're right. It, it is in that part of Maryland where it's literally far from everything. And because I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, I wonder how far uh, a Southern, Southern Maryland is, uh, how long a drive that is from my house uh, in central New Jersey. I mean, it can't hours. be that far. It's Maryland. It's like three and a half hours. Jesus, that's that's a good hike there. Like, it's the kind of thing you're not doing in a day. Like, you could do an overnight trip there, but you're yeah. not doing it in a day, and that's the problem. Like, you need to you need to be within, I would say, two hours. I think if you're within two hours, then you're good. And it can't be one of those two hours where it's like, okay, it's it's a strenuous drive. It has to be like a two hours. You hop on the highway and you just go, and then you're there. And yeah. that's the thing that's going to be beneficial now with Gastonia and High Point. They have that going. Mm-hmm. It's fairly close. I think it's about 90 minutes away. And it's going to be beneficial for that. Because well, the, the one thing I will say about Sugarland is, I mean, it, it does really suck for the Atlantic League that Sugarland is gone just because, it was. I mean, it's a great ballpark, a great market, a winning team that unfortunately has to um, has to go, although they'll their organization will be off to uh, great things in AAA. The, that plane ride... That plane ride was always kind of, it was always kind of awkward. It was always kind of awkward having a team in Texas. I mean, think back pre High Point days. You're having everybody in the Northeast. Southern Maryland is the is the southernmost team outside of Sugarland, and then you fly to Texas. So, uh, the, if there is one good thing here, it's that plane rides will no longer be necessary. That and, is true. And, although, to be fair, I, I also did mind. 
coming home from a Somerset game that started at seven o'clock and uh, tuning in for the end of the Sugarland game that started at eight, that uh, started at eight o'clock Eastern. That that was never a, a bad thing, but I, I do think that at least keeping everything within a bus ride, you would think helps teams in the Atlantic league a little more. It does. But I mean, like you said, you're losing a model franchise here. They won, they got good attendance. I mean, now they've lost two of their top three attendance getters. And that's obviously not a, not a positive yeah. thing at all. And that's going to hurt you there. And I mean, now that's the thing I do wonder about in this kind of new, I guess, partnership situation that's set up in Major League Baseball. I assume it does matter heavily how long these partnership affiliations go or these licensed affiliations go with these parent clubs. Is it going to yeah. be one of those things where if all of a sudden one ballpark falls into disrepair or if one minor league club's not living up to its expectations, can they just go kick that club to the curb and grab a team from independent ball? Does this mean now that independent ball is just going to keep getting raided for all their model franchises until yeah. you're left with a bunch of, you know, either inadequate ballparks or poorly ran teams? Like, I do I do have a concern about that. That's something that is obviously going to be an issue if that exists. Now, if the partnerships go for like 20 years, 25 years, then it's really not much of a concern at all. But but it still is something that uh, I do worry about, you know? Yeah, that, that that's I, Nick. That is 100 percent a legitimate concern, because at the end of the day, it, the, what I love about indie ball is that when you, you look at some of these ballparks, you look at some of the facilities, you look at the attendance, it doesn't it, specifically, I guess in the Atlantic league, but certainly, certainly in the American association as well. In, in most of those parks, uh, in some frontier league parks as well, it doesn't scream. It, it doesn't, it doesn't scream independent league baseball. And I, it, and I think that that's definitely a good thing. But if, if whenever, uh, whenever a team can't, uh, can't afford to remodel stadiums and you just, send a bad stadium and mark it down and you bring up the indie balls best that's 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 definitely not good for indie ball I mean, and that's definitely not good for indie ball i really wish there was somebody we could talk to about that but that that's something we'll get into later exactly and that's going to be now you've got my excitement back up for this which i mean people will probably have seen the tweet or the instagram post about uh something big coming and we'll, we will get into that in a bit but uh uh, regardless here, let's just kind of wrap up the rest of this uh, minor league affiliation wrap-up news. We'll put a bow on Sugarland with just, I think, everything we said about uh, Somerset is equally as applicable here to Sugarland. It's great for the team. Obviously, you're happy for everyone that's staying on board. It's it's a huge win for them, and even more so now that you'll have AAA. So you'll arguably have a higher quality of play there. You'll have more recognizable right. players, and they'll probably do way better in attendance i would imagine and there's a yeah, lot of zillions of rehab stints i mean that that the rehab stints like there i mean it's so easy you just drive 25 minutes and you're you're having a rehab stint in triple a exactly and you're going to get a lot of brand name players which i imagine uh even though it is the astros and there is a stigma about them still at least these astros um yeah. I still imagine that if you got the opportunity to pay $15 to watch Jose Altuve play, even in a rehab start, you're still going to do it. I mean, absolutely. trash can or no trash can, he's still a very good ball player. I mean, that's the thing. A lot of them are still good ball players. I mean, you wouldn't be in a major league uniform unless you were good at baseball, or at least right. better than everyone else at baseball, so... Uh, even still, yeah, I mean, if, if I if I stepped in the batter's box of a professional game, you can bang all the trash cans you want. It doesn't matter. I won't hit it. Exactly. There's still a level of talent there. Now, obviously, basketball it doesn't matter, my guy. I exactly. still can't hit it. It's like, look, he could take ten miles an hour off of it. I'm still not hitting <laughs> it at 85. Right. Exactly. Look, he could throw it at 65, and then I have a shot. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Maybe if you could, maybe 70s. I, 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 like a, but it can't be like a curve. It's got to be straight. It's got to be dead on. No no breaking pitches. Anything that's breaking, hell, you can have it break right into the dirt. I, it still ain't going to matter. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but yeah, so obviously it's good for that. And obviously it's sad for the players and whatnot. Like the one guy in particular I'm thinking about is Gene Santi. I mean, yeah. He's the captain of that team, and now he's kind of, you know, in the dark here. And, I mean, 
Currently, I think he's out playing in Mexico, so that's going to be a fun little uh, stint when he wakes up, sees that, and uh, has to kind of figure out where he's going from there. And I'm sure there's other guys there in the same boat that have, they've been there a while, and now they need to kind of figure out, like, okay, where am I going to go? Yeah, like Albert Cordero, the yeah, catcher, the the catcher with Sugarlands, another yeah. guy. Another guy I'm thinking of that oh, hopefully, hopefully he uh, – I, I bet he wants to continue his playing career. I think it'll be uh, – I, I, I that's a guy I could see following Pete and Cavillia wherever he goes if, if he were to take – another if he were to take another job in indie ball i i could see cordero following him he's still a, a good atlantic a good atlantic league player and i think that uh his services will be sought after in the atlantic league i will i will say that it, it's especially in indie ball it is it is hard to find a catcher that can produce the way he can and i think that and and i think that his um his services will be highly sought after mm. remember that one year they had Derek norris Yes, I do. I do remember that. Like, I didn't. Re- like, I only realized like halfway through the game. I was like, oh shit, this is Derek Norris. I know. I, I saw it because oh, it was 2018. Yeah. And um, and I remember he he ste- he stepped to the plate like in the first inning of a game against Somerset, and I was and I was thinking because uh, it was like really early in the season. He must have been hitting like 160 to start the yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, man, what happened to Derek Norris? Pop bang like way like like way into the parking lot in left field i'm like oh alrighty then yeah like at first i was like that's not the same Derek norris i mean Derek norris is a pretty generic name it can't be the same when i was just playing the padres right and i was like oh no wait it is oh okay no it is that Derek norris yeah that was pretty cool but uh yeah, just wrapping up realignment news. Uh, as far as Stan Island and Trenton go, they're still kind of up in the air. Uh, though it does look like Stan Island's going to wind up in the Atlantic League, there's still work that does need to be hammered out there. Uh, Trenton, I they're running out of options. I don't see the Phillies jumping with them. The Red yeah. Sox seem like they have their ducks in a row. Same mm-hmm. thing with the Mets. They're really running out of teams here. I don't imagine the Orioles or the Nats are going to grab them. So they're really bank on like Pittsburgh or something to jump in there and save them. Which uh, I would just like to. I would just like to. Well, I I think we're we're getting close to uh, welcoming Trenton to the Consolation League. Now I do want to know if we ask the Trenton, uh, I guess ownership group, it's if you win the Atlantic League trophy, is that just a piece of metal? Because I, I know I, the World Series trophy is, but I want to know. You is beat this beat me to it? You beat me to it, Nick. I, I think I think I think it has to be. I mean, I mean clearly, it's, it's a, a consolation prize. I guess it doesn't matter. In fact, why don't why don't you just put a, like a losing team out on the field? I guess that is better better for everyone else. I don't know. Exactly. I mean, like you could just keep running out a bunch of cheap guys and save yourself some money. And that, and that, that that's going to be a real fun sell to the fans. It's like, yeah, I know, I know. This is a we said this was a consolation league, but this is kind of where we are now. So please buy a please buy tickets to go watch. And then they try to like drum up the quality of play to what it actually is, but the fans were already oh, all God. riled up. It's gonna oh, be great. Goodness. It's gonna be great to watch. Oh, that is gonna crow. be awesome. They're gonna because they have no other option but to eat crow. I know. Like that's their I, only option now. I wonder. I wonder how Rick White feels about that. Like does Rick? Does, I know they were offered a spot, and yeah. I, I presume them the owner coming out and saying that about the Atlantic League doesn't impact that offer. Although I can't imagine Rick White is that fond of the guy at this point. Yeah, like that's the thing. Like, I I really want to ask him that. Like, even though I know I won't get a straight answer on it because you don't want to be like, oh yeah, you know that that definitely pissed me off and uh, there's bad blood there. Now you don't want to do that, especially if it becomes a very real possibility. This having bad blood's a bad thing. But uh, even still. I'd be very curious to see how he answers that question. <laughs> Just because it's he, he, he shit-talked the league. There's no way around it. He shit-talked the Atlantic League. And now he's going to have to turn around, tail tucked between the legs, and go, I guess we'll take it. That uh, That is going to be... See, so, so some people, I, I'm going to be spectating with my popcorn and just laughing, to be oh, honest God. with you. Yeah, like, it's going to be, like, here's the thing, too. When Trenton's forced to come into this league, it's going to be great because they're just going to be the automatic villain from fans of the league. Because they, <laughs> cause they didn't want to be here. They still don't want to be here. They don't believe in the league. And now they're just going to be, it's going to be like the ultimate heel. 
Pat- Patriots and Ducks fans unite. <laughs> I just, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I, I, I gotta see. I can because uh, as a, uh, well, I guess I could say former Patriots fan because I can no longer. I will be at Patriots games. I just can no longer root for them, considering I am a Red Sox fan. However, I, I may, may, maybe I could uh, talk to a few uh, a few Ducks fans I know and see if we can get a collab going to go against Trenton. But we'll see. We'll we'll see how that goes. I'm sure you'll be able to patch something together there. But uh, yeah, other news. Yeah, but then if like Brett Jody manages there, I can't do that then. I mean, because he's Brett Jody. He's like the nicest dude ever. That would create an issue. But I, I have a feeling Brett's going to wind up elsewhere. But yeah, uh, probably closer to his home in South Carolina. You would. Th- I, I, I think Gastonia job works for him. I think but... Gastonia makes a lot of sense too. But uh, uh, that's all. That's all something for another day. The other bit of news here, Tri-City, uh, the team in Troy, New York, that's just outside of Albany, uh, the Valley Cats, they have been backed by Senator Chuck Schumer. Apparently, Schumer went and asked Manfred, or he spoke to him, so I assume there's an ask in there, uh, to keep the team affiliated. The Tri-City Club was affiliated or is affiliated with the Astros still, so it, it does make a little bit of sense to not be affiliated with the Astros, seeing as they're thousands of miles away um i gotta imagine that some team will pick them up as like a low a club or something uh but it'll be interesting to see there if they do wind up falling out perhaps that's a a gold market for either the frontier league which is my first initial reaction or maybe even the atlantic league but i that kind of screams frontier to me uh personally yeah i would agree although i will say their attendance numbers were pretty good this past year. Uh, they were they finished in third place in attendance in the New York Penn League in 2019. Averaged 3,869 fans a night. So I'll tell you what, if that if that's a Frontier League team, I'm not sure if the stadium is uh, well because let's see, the stadium was was made in uh, was built in 2002, capacity of 4,500. Yeah, that probably does, but probably does scream. Uh, frontier league however I, I do think that that would be i mean that attendance is still pretty good so I, I i think that that would be a good team to add to indie ball if it were to come to that that's that doesn't really scream like that that doesn't scream like summer collegiate to me they should be that that market should be in professional baseball 100 percent. yeah I, I would agree with that plus for as far as frontier league goes it's a nice kind of in between once you do your canada swing you come back through hit both uh I guess it would be Troy or Albany or whatever you want to call it, Tri-City, on your way back up to Canada and on your way uh, back from Canada as well. So there's that. And then the only other bit of, uh, I guess, MILB kind of news is we have a full list expected by the end of the month. I heard December 1st there are about to, so we're probably only a week and a half away from getting some real clarity on this whole situation. And, Thank uh, God. We also, Thank God. Yeah, I know, really. Then we can have some fun with it. Uh, but we also do have some other regulations that Major League Baseball is putting on their affiliated minor leagues. Uh, this came from a front office exec who, in the article I saw, which is linked in the show notes, gave this information on the condition of not being named. And the two uh, real differences that we know are two additions from the last time we talked about these regulations are games on getaway days must start before 4 p.m. I think I'm pretty cool with that. I mean, it is kind of stupid to have a 7 o'clock game and that will wrap up around 10 o'clock on a day where you have to then get out of town and play the following day. Uh, That's a bit... uh, a bit extreme there if you want someone to do that kind of a turnaround and then the other one which is a is kind of surprising to me is any trip longer than 350 miles will now require a plane to travel for those that are kind of having a hard time visualizing what 350 miles is it's essentially from where nork new jersey is to virginia beach so figure new york city to richmond virginia about that length it really isn't that long of a bus trip, at least in my mind, when I think about that. That's that's like a family going on a summer vacation kind of thing, as far as in my mind goes. But uh, I'm curious to know what you think about that. So here, here's what I think about that. Uh, if you were to, if you could clarify for me, Nick, that plane ride is at the expense of who? I believe that would be at the expense of the minor league club, uh, huh. because there is another addition I saw in that article that said, 
all enhanced per diems and amenities will fall on the responsibility or the responsibility for them will fall on the minor league franchises. Yeah. So I imagine the bus or the plane would be. I don't know for certain though, but I would imagine that would be on the on the club. But I really think it's funny that the MLB continues to cram down all these these improvements that need to be made, which I mean, you could you could definitely make a, a good case for, and I think that 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 should definitely be made. Here's at the end of the day, they're just telling these minor league teams, "This is what it's going to have. This is this is what you have to do, and you're going to have to pay for it." Not us, not us. Why would we have to pay for it? I mean, I mean, to me, that is that that I mean, you could you could um, have all the requirements you want, and I think a lot of those are definitely needed. As well as I'm, and 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 I know the the salary of minor league players is going up slightly next year. However, it, it it's frustrating to me that the MLB keeps coming out with different requirements and different improvements that need to be made, but they refuse to foot the bill. They, they it, it's all talk just to, just so they can say, oh look, I mean, if people complain about the like the condition, they're like, oh well, we we said it, we said that. Uh, it had to be done this way, but you don't actually help these small businesses. We're getting crushed right now. So, you, but you don't help them anyway. So, to me, to me, it is fr- it's frustrating that there, there's certain things I agree that the that minor league teams probably have to foot the bill. I, I think that stadium run of like certain stadium renovations for sure. I don't really have an issue with saying that. Hey, you you, you got to pay to upgrade this specifically if they have an owner. Who can afford? Who can afford those upgrades? However, I, I think that then requiring teams who are drawing, like who, who are in the, the South Atlantic League, who which traditionally has been has has really spanned out a lot of the East Coast and the and north towards the Appalachian Mountains. I mean, you had a team in uh, in, in South Jersey, and you had a team all the way down in South Carolina. And you're going to ask those teams, and not to say, and I know that the Jersey Shore Blue Claws are probably going to become high A, but I think that it's kind of ridiculous to me that the MLB are the ones saying that you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to do and you need to do this, but you need to pay for it. That's that's just my opinion. You see, I softened on how much I'm really going in on Major League Baseball because I do think so far a lot of the things that. You know, I was going after them on heavily, have turned out fairly well, or at least on the surface have so far. That said, I do have a bit of an issue if they are not going to be compensating their minor leagues for things like the plane travel. Small things, I don't really care about. If you're going to improve the stadium, I, I get the concept of, okay, well, if it's a permanent improvement, we want the minor league operator to put money in there or the stadium owner to put the money in there because uh, right. they're their thing. We're not going to be benefiting from this if the affiliation ends. So I get that for small things like the, yeah, the on-site meal prep and things like that. It's real minor. It really shouldn't cost that much to retrofit it, to make it work. Or if you already have it to just upgrade it up to where it needs to be, it shouldn't be that much. Even the per diems and whatnot, like real small stuff. I really like it. If you own a team, you should be able to afford it. But like the plane travel, some of the other things that they're really going after, it's like those are those are expenses that don't benefit the minor league club at all. That they would be perfectly content not using. That you're now mandating they have to have, and it's clearly stretching a lot of these ownership groups. And I'm not sure if this is just kind of a play to get like the small owners out. And like we've talked last week, even with Pete Fish and talked about how like the game's becoming a lot more corporate and this is trying to even make it more corporatized to make it more that these uh, major league owners can now own the minor league clubs to keep it all really in house. So it's just, you know, 30 guys that own everything. I'm not sure if that's what the end goal is, but it certainly seems that way because I mean, if you look at it like this, and you're just like take any real independent league owner, and they're not paying for planes. They're not playing for a lot of that stuff. It's just a guy that's you know very wealthy, or is at the very least wealthy, and in, in a group with a bunch of other wealthy guys, and pitched in, bought a ball club, and now run it. And 
you do have local ownership that way that knows it, knows how to appeal to the market, knows how to market their product, knows all the business aspect for that area and knows how to make it work in that area. And if you said to them all of a sudden, and really any local owner across affiliated or independent, you need to pay for a plane, you need to pay for stadium upgrades, you need to do all these other little minor things, you need to make sure that you have weight benches and a weight room on site, you need this, you need that, you need this. It's going to add up real quick, and you're going to go, look, I got into this because I like baseball, I'm fine eating the, you know, $20,000 loss a year. It doesn't matter to me. I take it as a tax right off. And, you know, it's, it's just something that I do for fun. It's a hobby that I can afford. And I like to see a winning team. And then if you change that on them and say, look, you're going to be paying for all of this stuff. If you still want this affiliation, at what point do you reach the tipping, the tipping mark where it's no longer financially feasible to continue the partnership you have with a major league club or to even own the team in general. I, I, that's where my issue is for the small stuff. I could care less about it. If you own a team, a, a couple extra thousand, that's that's, you should be able to afford that. But when it's clearly plane travel, that's going to be what about probably a couple thousand just per plane trip alone for these guys. I, I just have a real problem with that. Now, if the major league club was stepping in going like, we'll, we'll pay for it or we'll give you a stipend for it. I feel a lot better about that. But if right. it's just straight up, you're responsible for it. You're on the hook. Well, then I, I'm not a fan of that at all. And I fair, I very much don't see how that benefits the players anymore. You know, how do yep. you get a red eye flight from, you know, Columbia, South Carolina to Philadelphia to take a bus over to Lakewood I don't see how that's any better than just getting on a, you know, a nice bus and traveling up from Columbia into Lakewood just outright. I, I don't see how that's any better. What the part you said that really resonated with me, Nick, is minor league owners should have to. I totally understand having the minor league owners foot the bill of things that if they were to lose their affiliation, they still benefit from that makes that, that makes sense to me. However, when, when you then start making demands about plane rides and say you have to throw in a couple thousand dollars each road trip to, to, uh, to have, to have plane rides. I mean, to me, that just, that just doesn't make sense. Not to say it'd be every road trip, but even so, I mean, that's, that's a lot of money for, for, now, I wouldn't say for all minor league owners, but for for a good portion of them, that really is, and that is something that that the MLB should definitely be footing the bill for, and and it's and hopefully they are, uh, but it it would really be it really be tough on them if they weren't if they left that up to the minor league owners to go ahead and pay for plane rides. To me, that that doesn't make any. I mean, I guess it makes sense from a business sense for them. I mean, when does it not? But, uh, but it, it, it'd be frustrating to say the least. Yeah, and it's just like I said. Even if it was one of those things where it's an improvement, that even after the affiliation leaves, you'd be like, okay, well then for that like ten year period, we really were doing well. So I mean, I can't complain. It was a net positive. If you come away with a net positive, I have no problem making the minor league owner pay for it. It's just when it has no financial benefit or no real benefit on the ownership or the team itself that you're then making them pay for, that the only benefit is to the parent club, that I do have a bit of a problem you mandating it. And again, if it was just small stuff, don't care. When it is like major things, I got a problem. Like, I just, you know, I, I've kind of talked it to death, but... I, I, there comes a certain point where it just makes no sense to continue to do it. But uh, with that, I think we kind of spent a whole hour on uh, just various minor league affiliations and what's happening over there. So we could actually get into just strictly indie ball stuff for like 10 minutes and then we'll be out of topics. But uh, we also got the organization of the year, the last of the end of year awards from the American Association this week. And that would be Fargo Moorhead. They won Organization of the Year. The team also hosted Winnipeg in their ballpark this year. Uh, the staff was working about six games a week during the season, uh, much higher than their usual rate. So they really only had one day where there wasn't a game there. So they had maybe one off day, uh, but they're probably doing other things around the ballpark still. 
They hosted 60 total games in two months, which is an outrageous pace, seeing as normally they would have 50 games in five months. So they they really went all out there. Uh, for them, this is the first time they've won the award since 2011, and I do have to say it is well-deserved. I don't remember during our whole awards thing at the end of the year if I had them pegged for organization of the year or if I gave that to Winnipeg. I remember whichever one I didn't give this award to, I gave, like, executive of the year to. Uh, so, either way, well-deserved. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Just, I mean, the staff at Fargo-Moorhead being being able to host so many games. I mean, you're literally hosting a game pretty much every night. And for a team that's not that's not even your own, I mean, that you, they, deserve, they, they deserve an endless amount of credit for that. And for that reason, I... I have no problem with whatsoever, and I, and I know there was there was other teams who who played the role of host city, uh, uh, Sioux Falls being being the other one for a little bit, uh, hosting hosting the St. Paul Saints, and they certainly they certainly deserve credit as well. However, when Fargo Moorhead was from the beginning was going to be uh, hosting Winnipeg for the entire season uh, because everyone kind of understood that crossing the Canadian border to, to go play in Winnipeg was not really going to be an option and currently still is not an option. I know the, uh, so the Toronto Raptors of the NBA announced today that they're going to be playing their home games in Tampa Bay. So, um, so I think that it makes, it, it makes a lot of sense to give the Fargo Moorhead, the award. They deserve a lot of credit. Hopefully they're, their staff was was well compensated for for working so many games, and it, it, it's it, it was it's a real credit to to the front office there that they were able to stage that many games in that short of a window. Then, so I I completely agree that they are certainly the or the organization of the year. Mm, I agree a hundred percent. I do wonder with Fargo Moorhead. I'm not sure if you keep Chris Costi around. I know. He- in the beginning of the year, he was saying he didn't look like he wanted this to be a a permanent gig. That he was just filling in on an interim basis because Bennett got kind of canned at the last moment. And it was kind of unexpected. I do wonder if you see a team like St. Paul become affiliated. Fargo-Moorhead isn't far from St. Paul. George Samus has been in St. Paul a long time. Maybe he just says, you know, I'll go manage in North Dakota. Perhaps. Yeah. Could see, could definitely see that. Be a very good hire. Thanks much for dead certain. Yeah, uh, I'm sure that I'm sure there will be plenty of teams vying for his services. I think in the Atlantic League as well. So I think uh, he will have his options, but I could definitely see him just moving to North Dakota and kind of doing the same thing he's done so well in St. Paul for so many years. Mm-hmm. And I do want to say one thing before we move on to the last two topics here. I'm disappointed the Raptors are not playing in Seattle. They missed a golden opportunity to be rebranded for one year as the Seattle Super Raptor Sonics or the Supersonic <laughs> Raptors. Supersonic that is Raptors. a good point. I never thought of that. I mean, think of it like this. You could go back to the old dinosaur logo and then put like our jetpack on their back or something. Yeah. Like you could yeah. really go gimmicky 90s for a year. That that would that would be awesome. I have to. Although you'd have to think that the move to Tampa Bay was kind of financially driven oh, considering uh-huh. the fact that they'll probably people. i mean that we know who uh who runs stuff down there and he's yeah. let, let's just say that fans will definitely be allowed in tampa bay so oh yeah 100 percent was but just for the so, brand yeah but uh, although would it be worth it to to see the seattle uh, uh super uh, what did you say supersonic raptors or super yep, raptor it, sonics uh, supersonic raptors is what i was going with I mean, yeah, I think that that would be worth the lost money, in my opinion. A hundred percent. There's no way you can beat that merchandise. But I know. Uh, with that, we will move on to the Airhawk Stadium. As you may recall, this was our cut-in from a couple weeks back that the Airhawks kind of were disbanded. I guess it would be. Uh, they left the American Association and have apparently just ceased to exist. Uh, we spent a whole bunch of time talking about that. 
Uh, you could go back and listen to, I believe it was episode 85 or 86, where we talk about that. I think it was called When Air Hogs Fly Away. Uh, so you could go back and check that out wherever you get your podcast or on the website, whatever, to get more information about that. But we were wondering what would happen to that ballpark. It's a newer ballpark, I think 2008 construction. And it was obviously a very nice ballpark. And we said, I hope another team gets in there. Well, another team is in there. It's not a baseball team, but it is a team that uses a bat. And that is uh, in 2022, it will be playing host to one of the six teams in Major League Cricket. Now, uh, they at least the ballpark Major League Cricket has uh, starting in 2022, like I just mentioned. Uh, they'll rename the ball yard from Air Hog Stadium, probably a corporate sponsor, I'd imagine. Makes sense. Uh, like I said, Major League Cricket's going to have six teams. Uh, and they said they're likely going to be based out of former major league, uh, ballparks or more former minor league ballparks, minor league parks. Uh, the facility is going to be cricket focused, it said. So I imagine that means they're going to retrofit it to be more specialized for cricket. And they're going to play T20 cricket, which is a short form version of the game. It is kind of the shortest version. There's a three-day-long version, a one-day-long version, and a three-hour version. The three-hour version is T20, which will be played in the ballpark. I know absolutely nothing about cricket. Uh, so with that, I, I've got nothing else really to add on this. Well, uh, it is very good that they were... Uh... It is very good that they will have somebody in that great ballpark in, in um, where the Texas Air Hogs used to play. Although, if on my what is going to happen to that stadium bingo card, unfortunately, I, I just checked uh, a professional cricket team playing there was unfortunately not on my bingo board. So I can't uh, see why. Yeah, I mean, I I should have known that a cricket team would have in a cricket team would go play in Texas and go play there. But hey, and there's soccer. It, it, I mean, it's growing every year in this in this country. Hey, I mean, listen, cricket. The only thing I know about cricket is, uh, well, it's kind of like baseball. It's like close ish. So I guess it makes sense that they that they would play. I can't see how many people. If they didn't really show up for American Association Baseball, I can't see how many people would show up for cricket. Uh, I'm not sure how that would work there, but sure, why, why not? I guess I guess cricket uh, cricket's fun, and uh, and I'm glad they're using the ballpark for something. Exactly. At least it's getting used, like you said. I mean, uh, if it was going to waste, it'd really be a shame. But uh, yeah, I I don't know anything about cricket. Uh, good on them. Uh, they do have, I believe it is either a former or current executive vice president from the 49ers involved in this whole project. So Ooh. clearly there's competent people running the show over there, but uh, good on them. I, I hope you, you get a foothold, but I just don't think anyone, and particularly people in Texas, know anything about cricket, nor are they going to really show up. But again, best of luck to you. Yeah, the only thing I know is that the the word wicket has something to do with it. I, I don't I don't know what context. I just know that they talk about wickets. I think in the score or something, but that's I, about all. See, I'm trying to relate that back to hockey when they go right through the wickets, which would be through someone's legs. No, that's five hole though. Yeah, that's five hole, but it's also been called through the wickets. Well, they they say that for baseball too. I have no idea. This is a weird sport. We're moving on. Uh, <laughs> last bit of news. The Frontier League has a new president. Uh, Rich, I believe it's Saget Sr. He retired as the president of the board of directors. Uh, he held a position since the, uh, November of 03. And he's overseen a lot of stuff over the last 17 years. Six stadiums were built. The partnership and the merger all under his watch. His son's going to take up the position for Gateway. John Stanley from uh, Evansville will serve as the president for next year. Came through the pipeline yesterday, wanted to toss it on there. So congrats to Rich on a on a great career. I think he was also like a dual varsity athlete at Notre Dame, as was his son. First father-son combo to do that. So clearly impressive there. So it's good on that. Do you, think, do you think he played cricket at Notre Dame? I don't think so. No, no. I believe <laughs> it was football and baseball. But yeah, I'll, we'll have to... I'll send an email over to over to Gateway and ask, did any of you play cricket? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
I guarantee you when, when whoever was li- when when the listeners at home tuned in, they did not think they were getting any cricket talk. You are wrong, my my, my good friend. Well, the most of the show is going to be about Sugarland. Then it's going to be about cricket. This is a cricket podcast going That's forward. That's right. The the uh, the uh, the cricket ball report. Exactly. There we go. <laughs> well, uh, the anyway, wicket report. <laughs> congratulations on a great career to him and. That's about all I have to say. I, 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 I'm, my mind is set on cricket, and I can't get my mind off of cricket. All right. Being that we're stuck there, I think it's it's probably for the best that we just uh, kind of go to plugs. And uh, first thing up on the docket, we got to plug. Again, we have the Q and A. Uh, when you listen to this, it'll be about a month away at that point. I know December, end of December is coming up really quick, so Christmas is coming up really quick too. Uh, so December twenty third is when we're recording the Q and A. Get your questions in by December twenty second, so that way we can answer them. Again, if you want a real in depth answer for things, sooner is better. You can submit these via email. You can submit them via social media. Hell, if you have a carrier pigeon and you can find out where I'm at. I'll take it via carrier pigeon too, but uh, I prefer you didn't use the uh, the bird method. But anything that relates to independent league baseball or the show, or even really minor league baseball, I suppose, is acceptable for a Q&A question. We already got two. Uh, I think I mentioned that last week that I got both of them in the email. I didn't respond to your emails. That's not me being rude. That's just me acknowledging that I got them. And obviously, if you sent them, you listen to the show. So me saying this on air uh, gets the point across. Uh, so we did get them and we're working on getting you answers for them. So I do want to push the Q&A to send your questions in sooner is easier. Uh, probably starting in December, I'll do a like um, a weekly kind of submit your questions thing on the social media channels those of course being indie ball report on instagram uh, you can also send them to alpb underscore news on instagram as well and also on twitter at indie ball pod yeah yeah please send in your questions i look forward i look forward to answering them yep. it'll be a fun thing and remember the q a episode is only as long as we have questions for so you'll want to send in as many as you can as soon as you can uh second thing we got to plug here there's a slew of big interviews coming up you may have seen in the middle of the week uh, i sent out a tweet saying i'm there's a couple of really big things i'm excited for but i can't mention them yet i still can't mention them by name because it's not hammered out yet. I want firm commitments and firm dates before I start promoting and pushing this on all of you. But let me just say, um, these uh, next two interviews are certainly going to be, what would you say, top five as far as as far as names go, possibly numbers one and two. Uh, one of them, I think, is number one. Okay, so it's going to be the one that I told you about on Tuesday night, right? Yeah, okay, good. Oh, there's just two really, really big names. They're, they're, I'm trying to figure out a way to, to hype you up without giving away too much information. And I know what I'm doing right now, if I was a listener, would annoy the hell out of me. I'm still doing it anyway because it works. But I just, I want to acknowledge that I feel what you're feeling right now. Uh, <laughs> both of them are really Titans in independent league baseball. And I'd say one of them has the job they've done over the last five or so years has radically shaped the way we're going to see Indie Ball operate going forward for the foreseeable future. And I'm just, I'm really excited to have uh, both of these guys on. Hopefully within the next month, uh, there's some things I need to get worked out to have them on. But once we have firm dates, we'll promote the hell out of both of them. And oh, let yeah. me just say, uh, that we're probably just going to make that the full episode unless, you know, the sky falls down. It'll just be these interviews. We do this occasionally, but these ones are definitely worth it. Like, I'm not sure how if we're only going to get a half hour or if we're going to get the full hour. Either way, I'm really, really excited for this. So, so excited. So I'm so pumped for it. I can't wait. I know when I told you about the one the other day, <laughs> I was like, oh, as soon as I got, I was like, oh, I need to send this to Will because he's going to really, I really want to see his reaction to this. He's going to be excited. And I would say you were excited. 
I was excited, can confirm. All right. So with that, uh, we already promoted the social medias, so we won't do that again. You can find the show, though, at, at wherever you find podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podomatic, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever you find podcasts, you can find us. I'd really recommend subscribing because you're not going to want to miss those two interviews that we just promoted and the Q&A we just promoted all coming up. So December looks like it's going to be a very big month possibly even the last week of November, but who knows? Yeah. any case, you're going to want to subscribe to not miss out on any of those upcoming episodes. Likewise, rate and review. It helps us grow, which helps us and makes it easier for us to get guests like the last two that we got. And uh, yeah, with that said, do we have anything else left to add? So my thing to add this week is I just want to give a big shout out to Canada because we have... I never knew this, but there is a huge following of the Indie Ball Report in Canada. So if you are one of those people listening at home, shout out to you guys. We appreciate you. Yeah, I'm going to build on this because every day I go in and I check the stats. And one good thing with Podomatic is you can see a breakdown geographically. So I've seen things from like Moldova, Russia, which I assume are just, you know, troll bots going through. Then I see the occasional one across Europe, like in uh, Great Britain, Ireland. I see those. And those, I assume, are real people. And in fact, I know the Ireland one's real now. They sent in a question. And then the one day I check, and normally I expect to see, you know, mainly from uh, the United States. It makes sense. I check and I see 278 plays. Just a radically high number for the middle of the week from Toronto. And I was like, why are we getting this made from Toronto? Even Winnipeg comes up with those numbers sometimes. So good on you, Canada. I agree. Good on you. And and if if you are one of those people from Canada, feel free to DM me at ALPP News so I can personally thank you for for listening in Canada. I would love love to get to know more about how baseball and indie ball works in Canada. I'd be interested to know that. So if you are, if you are from Canada, feel free to DM me at uh, ALPB underscore news on Instagram. And I would be glad to talk to you. I'm trying to think if I have anything else left to add. I'm going to save my bizarre Willy Wonka rant for a week where we're not running over an hour for those weeks that we need to really pad the numbers for the, for the timing. I will go on my uh, Willy Wonka rant, but we'll leave it at that. And I will say I have, nothing else left to add and with that said and nothing else left to add don't forget until next time to play ball